0: Welcome to the Good Gossip Podcast. I am your co-host, Melissa Elizondo.
1: And I'm Todd Revis, and this is episode four.
0: Oh, yeah, we're here already. We're rolling. With another live guest that I'm very excited about. So uh, Randy Van's Story has been a friend of mine for the past four years. We actually served on the board of Family Promise together. Uh, you were the president, and I just did whatever they asked me to do. <laughs> um we would go and have coffees and have these great philosophical conversations about life and God and family and just everything, literally everything. I had always enjoyed our conversation. Mm-hmm. So when Todd and I decided to do this podcast, you were one of the top people on our list mm-hmm. and I hadn't talked to you in over a year. It's been a while. It's been a while. since He's been he, busy. He's and. been a little busy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we were finishing recording our episode here with Laura, last week and it was on friday and then i had a missed call from you and i remember going wow that's timely i was going to call him anyway to be on the show (laughs) just think of something to talk about where you told me you had your first first near-death experience on the airplane that you took three or four years building in your garage um and we will get to that but not yet (laughs) and so once we had that conversation we're like yeah we got to get you on the podcast so
1: yes And so we met and we had a great discussion with you and and got to hear that story and,
0: um, and we're going to let him tell it exactly. But (laughs) I am going to post the link in the comments because he actually caught it on camera and you were humble enough to put it out on YouTube for other people to learn lessons from. Yep,
1: Going to be cool. So you were in Houston area, uh, grew up on a cotton farm. Where was that? Grew up in Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock, oh, yeah. I, so I, in the pain. Side note: I, I bought a tree one time from a tree salesman here in town, uh-huh. out by the airport, and he was from Lubbock, and he had all kinds of cool, probably ten, fifteen acres there, and he grew these crape myrtle trees from babies and sold them. And really nice guy, and he's from Lubbock. I said he he had a couple of cotton plants mm-hmm. and i was talking about his tomatoes and his other stuff and he said i said what about what's with the cotton why would you plant two cotton plants and he said i'm from lubbock i plant them every year it reminds me of home <laughs> yeah and so you grew up on a real cotton farm I you did. i would imagine became a mechanical engineer very early in life because <laughs> you just had to fix stuff and figure out how to get stuff done and get the job done and that led you into kind of a love of mechanics and love of working on vehicles and yep. and machines And you ended up owning several uh, auto repair locations in the Houston area Mm -hmm. and then went into a franchise for some more, made money, lost money, headed down that journey in (laughs) life. And then ended up, before you retired, you opened a few Alzheimer's uh, long-term care facilities and hit it at the right time, did pretty well, were able to retire. And that brought you to New Braunfels and- then you were retired, but then you didn't stop. You started serving on boards, making a difference. I would imagine because you just couldn't stop tinkering and couldn't stop applying your knowledge of business and knowledge of fixing things to to your world. And um, But then you got to a place where you didn't feel like you needed to fix everything anymore. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, how you got to that mindset and what led into your next journey?
2: Yeah, sure. So. I I think to, uh, to talk about just growing up on the farm and stuff, I I, I do feel like I have an engineer's personality. Mm -hmm. I do not have an engineer's intelligence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're so (laughs) humble.
2: (laughs) However, it's, it's like my, all my life I've been drawn toward building. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of why I've become an entrepreneur because I'm building stuff. I've started stuff and built it up and sold it or done something else with it. But I enjoyed the building process. I build furniture, Mm -hmm. I've restored cars, I've painted motorcycles. I mean, like I'm always like doing that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So after selling the Alzheimer's business, um, just the the point about learning how to have space in life Mm -hmm. was very difficult. Um, and it's, it kind of took me a while to get comfortable. I, I actually, I say difficult, I enjoyed the idleness. I didn't enjoy the other's perception of the idleness.
1: Gosh, I relate to that so much.
2: So I think in our culture, we are so often defined by our busyness. And I think that we so often try to build our own personal self-worth through our busyness. So what was a little bit of a struggle for me is uh, for a long period of time when people, you know, in in American culture, it's always the first question when you meet someone is, oh, what do you do? Which, by the way, in France, that's considered an insult. Good, It's taboo. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're measuring. Right. So it was really hard to get comfortable with that decision. I didn't know how to answer it because retired, and I was 53, fairly young age for a lot of people to be able to retire. It was like, oh, so you sit in your recliner and watch soap operas all day. (laughs) Like that's the perception, right?
0: (laughs) And though it was true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: And it just took me a while to get comfortable in the skin of idleness. But I have arrived. and Yay, I embrace. I embrace it today. <laughs> love it. that's
1: awesome.
0: Speaking of the introduction, just uh, I actually heard a podcast before, and they talked about, you know, when you introduce somebody, not to say what they do. And that mm. is such a hard thing in mm. this culture to yep. get away from
1: because that's our identity. This
0: is that's my what everybody. Taught. <laughs> you know,
2: and we are measuring whether we want to admit it or not. There's an element of measurement going on with that question and that answer.
1: And when you say measure, you could mean judge. You could mean sure. compare, which mm-hmm. neither are good. And um, yeah, I think I, the
0: best ones is when your your pastor is with you and you're playing golf or whatever. And Nobody knows it's your pastor and everybody's just being themselves. And then all of a sudden you say, oh, it's my pastor. And then they <laughs> just get <laughs> cleaned They act their best. Right. So Start adding their enjoying. drinks. You know? <laughs> I love it. It's That's happened so funny. many
2: times
1: to people.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: in my pastor, we've joked about this. He doesn't like to be introduced as, hey, this is, well, he doesn't mind this is my pastor. But he doesn't like to be called Pastor Randy. Mm. That's his name, Randy. And he's like, I'm not Pastor Randy. I don't call you you know, recruiter, Todd, or marketer, <laughs> Melissa, <Yeah. laughs> engineer, right. Austin, yeah. um, retired, lazy, Hi, ra- yeah, ra- ra- perfect. Um, yeah. Lazy, <laughs> Randy, lazy Randy. I like that. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah.
0: So, um, you started building a plane in your garage. And in fact, when I met you, you were, it was still, I don't think you were that far along when I met no, you. No,
2: I think I just started. So, um, to kind of back up on the story, I actually have lived in New Braunfels 30 years, and my business was in Houston. Okay, I okay.
1: misunderstood. But
2: I loved living here, and we didn't want to move. And so it was that commute that led me to flying. So I've been flying for 15 years. I don't know. Yeah, 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 15
1: years. So you used to get yourself to work that way. Yeah,
2: on I-10. Brutal <laughs> drive. And what I found was you just, whether I'm going to work or whether I'm coming home, I'm I, whenever I get there, I'm just... I'm toast. That Good. drive just right. wore me out. And I thought, I gotta just find another way to do this commute, because this commute is gonna kill me. Mm. And so I, I went and took my first you know, discovery flight mm-hmm. and learned that I love flying. And so that's how I ended up getting back and forth uh, to Houston. Daily? No, I. I uh, it, it, in the beginning, I would usually go in on Monday, come home on Thursday mm-hmm. type of deal. Uh, as our company grew and I was able to replace myself with competent people, uh, I probably maybe went in one day a week, okay. if that. I mean, we had, we had a really great team, and so I would kind of almost worked myself out of a job anyway. Well, that's uh, the goal, right? Yeah. what are supposed to
0: was the to flight? Be? Just curious. Uh, what uh, was the
2: flight? 55 minutes.
0: Oh, so you cut four hours. Barely, get, your, hours barely get a Coke <laughs> and
2: peanuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your
1: flight
0: attendant.
2: <laughs> so then when I... Um, was thinking about what what do i want to fill my time with Uh, again i go back to building Uh, i love building i love mechanical things i love flying i love learning new things and i thought building an airplane like checks all those boxes and so that's what led me down the journey of going i'm going to build an airplane and there are companies that build kits so guys like me that are not engineers can follow instructions and learn how to assemble. You know, I'm always a guy that people call when they get their Ikea stuff. You know, can you come put this together <laughs> for me? Because I read the instructions. Oh,
0: sure. oh. good to
2: know. <laughs> so it well, takes too long. It was a perfect fit for me, yeah. it really was.
0: Yeah, and I actually saw your video that Co- Cobalt uh, put on YouTube about yeah. you, and we will post that in the
1: comments. We will post so that because yeah, I'll never cool. forget 17,000 rivets. I'll just leave, <laughs> it, at, I'll leave it at that, exactly. four step process. Yeah. Uh, but we, I want to get into uh, bucket list. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. So you decided, uh, yeah, when we talked about you, I, I asked you a long time ago, what are you going to do when you finish building this plane? Yeah, exactly. And you had a bucket list. So tell us about that.
2: So one of my bucket list items um, after completing is I, I just want to land in every one of the 48 states of the U.S. I can't go to uh, I can go to Alaska. I might put that on the bucket list. a little harder to get through Canada, especially in COVID years. Hawaii can't make it. You got to greatly modify an airplane, my size airplane, to make it to Hawaii. So, some guys have done it. Uh, I'm not that ambitious. So, (laughs) I just put my sights on the lower 48 states. And I just want to land in each of the 48 states. Um, I want to try to see something interesting Mm -hmm. in each state and not necessarily the stuff that you'll find on the, you know, the. The Chamber of Commerce website, it may be something only the locals know about. Yeah. I, I want to try to meet somebody interesting in each of those states. And I don't want to have a schedule. So people go, oh, well, how are you going to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I will take off on a day and I will go somewhere and stay until I'm ready to go somewhere else or come home. Yeah. And so it may not be all in one trip, maybe in multiple trips. And who knows how long each one will be
0: so as as of today, how many have you landed in
2: uh oh, that's a great question. My sister just sent me a a, a map, a cork board push pin mm. map of the United States, and I was able to put nine pins in it so that's far nice. that's awesome.
0: <laughs> so in that conversation we when I talked to you on Friday, you said you were going to fly your plane over the Grand Canyon on Saturday, yeah. which I did watch that video. That yeah. was super cool. And I already you know cameras and videos. You just do not capture no. the beauty of that at all. Um, but I got to see your videos. So the day before, though, yep. you had your first near-death experience. So let's get into that story.
2: Yeah, so the trip up was going to be basically a full day. I mean, it's about five and a half hours worth of flight time to get from New Braunfels, Texas, to Page, Arizona, which is on the northeast tip of the canyon. It's just outside of the canyon. And so I had landed at Roswell to fill up with gas. Everything, the weather was beautiful. Everything's clear. And I knew the forecast... Um, going, I was gonna go up through Santa Fe and then kind of wind my way around some of the taller mountains so I could stay at lower altitude and just have better visibility of some mm-hmm. details. And I was gonna go over Farmington, New Mexico and then up to the four corners, you know, where mm-hmm. Arizona and New Mexico and Colorado and Utah meet, and, and then fly that area over to Page because it passes over what's called Monument Valley which is has some spectacular rock formations
1: that you would never see.
2: Never seen, never been in that area and in my life. I
1: wouldn't be able to see unless I was in an airplane, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, not
2: well. You not like you saw. That. You could. There's just not many roads out there. This is a desolate area. Yeah. So the the forecast. I'd actually, you know, as, as I look back in hindsight, I feel like I planned a lot of this, and yet I didn't plan enough. Mm-hmm. So the forecast in Farmington was a 7,000 foot ceiling, uh, above the ground, meaning I had 7,000 feet of space for my plane to fit before I hit the clouds. Mm-hmm. And then in Page, Arizona, it was 6,500 feet. Well, both of those clearances are plenty to fly just a visual flight where you just, you're just looking out the window and you fly your plane, you know, based on the horizon. Um, in between there, there's 160 mi- nautical miles, which is about 185 statute miles of nothingness. And there's no weather reporting, like nothing. So all I know is good here, <laughs> good here.
1: <laughs> Why would that be? I mean, it's, it's just desolate. Out there. Nobody mm-hmm. ever goes there. So there's, there's just needs no to development.
2: There's, there was one other airport, but it's a small airport on the Navajo Nation. Uh, territory, and it has no weather reporting. They just don't have a weather station on it. They don't okay. report. Wow. So it's okay. as simple as off. that. It's just desolate. <laughs> so
0: you knew where you were coming from, and you knew where you were going.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's it. And this 185 miles of land, there's no reason for you not to assume that it's fine, because it's fine before it and after it.
2: And once I hit the clouds, I'd already been flying underneath the clouds for two hours, and it had been fine. You know, kinda of sometimes it did down, go up, it did down, go up, but it, it was fine. There was no issue. Okay. <laughs> I get past Monument Valley, which is probably about seventy percent of the way there, and the clouds just kept getting lower and lower and lower, and the terrain kept terrain kept rising. And at one point, the clouds got within a thousand feet of the terrain. Oh, wow. And I can still see the ground. I can still see some horizon. The clouds are right here. I can see the horizon. I can see some of these other rock formations in the horizon. And so rising terrain. At that moment, uh, I should have just turned around. Simple piloting 101. The two, two of the leading causes of death of pilots, like number one is running out of gas. I haven't made that mistake yet, mm-hmm. uh, hope <laughs> never to. The second one is, uh, they call it, uh, entering IMC conditions from a VFR flight. So VFR flight means visual flight rules. Mm-hmm. You can see and you can avoid. Horizon, you have reference to stuff. IMC means in, uh, instrument meteorological conditions, meaning, you can only fly by instruments because literally it's like somebody puts a hood over your head you cannot see outside the airplane at all and you have to trust your instruments because your body lies to you when you're in the clouds. Mm. That's the number two cause of death, even for IFR rated pilots. So I have flown in the clouds, you know, hundreds of times, I'm very comfortable in the clouds. I'm not uncomfortable at all. And I actually think that might've been part of what got me in trouble because in the back of my mind, I'm thought, I can handle this.
0: You also thought at the same time you should have turned around. But (laughs) you convinced yourself to keep going.
2: Yeah, I won't be one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) It won't happen to me. right? What do they call that when you, when down is up and up is down, you just don't trust your- Spatial disorientation, vertigo, I mean, and I'm, I've been there hundreds of times. Like, your body feels like the plane's upside down, and it's not. You better trust your instruments,
0: yeah. Wow. wow. And I saw in the video, I couldn't see anything. By the time the video started, I couldn't see, I just saw clouds. Yeah. Okay, so, okay.
2: So, with you know, lowering clouds, rising terrain, I could still see the ground. When I first entered the clouds, it was so funny. Like, this happened so very slowly and so very quickly. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's hard to understand, but I had been like in these conditions for two hours. So it all happened so very slowly. And yet the moment that cloud engulfed me, it happened so quick Um, and I could still see the ground, but I'm thinking about that rising terrain and I'm thinking, I don't want to go back to Farmington. I want to get to Page. It's going to be raining there all day tomorrow, and I don't want to be stuck. I want to be stuck in Page. So I decided to climb and um, get an airborne clearance from air traffic control to get me in. What I didn't anticipate, and I think it was that little voice in the back of my head that said, Randy, this is how pilots die. Randy, this is how pilots die. Don't do this. Don't do this. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll be fine. Um, I don't think I anticipated how they call it getting behind the airplane where you're reacting versus being prepared and, and, you know, doing things in advance. Because normally when I fly in the clouds, I know everything at least an hour in advance and I'm doing stuff at minimum 20 minutes of advance. Mm So I'm never behind the airplane or I've never gotten behind the airplane like I did today. And when I got behind the airplane, the stress kicked in and I I could not believe how incompetent I felt. Like the things that were so, so easy for me for so, so long suddenly felt like monumental tasks. And it overwhelmed me. Like I was really, really, really surprised at the deterioration of the competency and the confidence in the moment of stress.
0: Now did this start when the alarm started going off or before?
2: Actually it started before it it actually
0: seen some stuff in the video where I could see a little bit of panic before I ever heard the alarm go off.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think just being in the clouds, and trying to, look, I had to look up a frequency. Mm-hmm. I had to dial in a, a, a new vectoring point in my avionics to get to a specific spot. I needed to get to a specific altitude. I needed to contact air traffic control. They give you information. They give you a squat code. They give you an altimeter setting. They ask you all these questions. I mean, it's just, it, it, I was already stressed. But I was able to maintain control and I was able to get my autopilot working and which autopilots are real easy. Like a lot of the feedback I've gotten from other pilots is, hey, the next time, why not use your autopilot? (laughs) It was bumpy, which doesn't crawl across in the video because the video has a stabilization factor. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really show how bumpy it was and so half the time i'd reach over to set the altimeter on my on my autopilot and i would it would the bump would make me push it and i and it would enter a wrong number and i'd start going someplace i didn't want to go so i just like okay kick it off and try again yeah. so i was already a little stressed um before yeah, the alarm we couldn't went tell
1: off. as much like you said the stabilizer and we were we're looking over your shoulder and we're just seeing your arms doing this. We don't know what you're pushing. Right, mm-hmm. so, or that I was successful. I could tell <laughs> you were
0: trying to push something and I, I couldn't tell what was happening. And then you're trying to call air traffic control and they don't respond right away. Right. And, and you said every second feels like a minute and every minute feels like
1: hours. Yeah, you know?
2: it's it's amazing how slow time gets. I mean, it's just,
1: yeah. One of the things that freaked me out was when you talk about the, the ground and the what did you say the the structures on the ground the mountains the the things rising terrain rising is, terrain yeah. I mean yeah. you're in a little bitty airplane and the the terrain is rising you're in you're in a mountainous area of the country you have no idea you don't know the territory that well no. not well enough to know there might be a peak a mesa of some sort that is higher than everything else around it and you have no visualization of that right and you're dark and you're just trying so I just. I can imagine how scary that was.
2: Yeah, it was.
0: Okay, so it turned out to be, at, okay, your alarm started going off. What was that about?
2: So I finally got to the point where I felt like I was getting some semblance of control, like, oh, my gosh, I'm flying a plane in the clouds again, with some level of competency. And the air traffic controller is trying to vector me out for an approach. And, again, I had trouble loading the approach in my avionics, Um uh, I just finished the airplane. The avionics in this airplane are are the same brand, but slightly different functionality than my old one. And so one of the things when you load a, an approach is, it's called the initial approach fix. My old one made you pick which one you're going to before it would allow you to advance. This one defaults to what's called vectors to final. I skipped that step. And so it went to the default, which was, putting me, loading on my map, the wrong picture. (laughs) I'm trying to go here. Now it's not that big of a deal. It's just that he's trying to, you know, it was just different. Again, it was just one little thing that led to stress. Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of that and in the middle of a turn and this horrible buzzing noise just goes off out of the middle of nowhere. And it is irritating, and it is loud, and it is constant. And then I look over, and my airspeed instrumentation had gone zero. Well, airspeed in an airplane is everything. Mm. Everything. Like you take off, you rotate, you land, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) You you descend, you ascend. Like you are constantly monitoring airspeed. Well, it went to zero.
1: Okay, pause right there. Yeah, that's a great segue. Great place to say uh, we are going to take a quick break. And wanted to, we don't have any commercial sponsors, but I wanted to say that we are super um, happy that we have a studio to record in. And we like to thank Life Church New Braunfels for being so gracious as to let us use this. And uh, the, I wanted to explain this. We never got to do that um, today is the Saturday between Good Friday and Easter. And this just happens to be when we're recording this, not when we'll release it. Mm-hmm. But um, so I thought I'd bring the cross to remind us that we're forgiven. And then the four donkeys, you, you may have seen that on the last mm-hmm. set and it doesn't really mean anything, but it could mean everything. Um, those guys are, could be my three brothers and I, um, it could be my quartet. If you don't know what that is google it um but a local artist named gay fly has her art studio behind we Sach, and she's a wonderful watercolor artist and go see what she does she does some really neat creative things and so i wanted to thank her she gave me that i think she heard her son sings with me in the quartet and i think that was her idea of
0: of painting a quartet photo. Mini, 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 mini,
1: four guys, yeah. Yeah. So we'll be right back. Okay, back to the story.
2: All right. <laughs> well, we left off of me losing airspeed, and airspeed is what keeps you in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've <laughs> lost that. I have a, a device on my plane uh, called an AOA indicator, and basically it will warn you when your plane is about to stall because I don't know if you've ever heard of planes crashing, but oftentimes okay. when they crash, that's what happened. They stall. If you can fly the plane down to the ground, you actually have a great chance of survivability. But if your plane stalls, you just, you're just you like a, a, a rocket in the ground now. Mm-hmm. And so I have what's called an AOE indicator, which starts with some beeps, slow beeps and the beeps get faster and faster. But then when you reach stall speed, it is this shrill, just constant noise that's loud and irritating and really disconcerting, which it's meant to be, it's meant to get your attention. So when my airspeed went to zero, my AOA indicator thinks I'm in a stall. And so this alarm goes off. Out of the blue. Well, I'm already a little, uh, pretty stressed. Yeah. Now this just takes it to a whole new level.
1: It's like you're trying to do something <clears throat> hard and somebody sh- like has a bullhorn, you know, a, one of those air yeah. horns in your ear.
2: Yeah. And this shrill noise, let me interpret what it is saying. <laughs> you're about to die. You're about to die. You're about to die. So that's what it is Give screaming an annoying voice. in my yeah. ear. Golly. Now my training had taught me that if I have the right power and the right pitch, I know what my airplane's airspeed is gonna be. They perform, it performs the same every time. So fortunately that part of my training kicked in. I knew I was not in a stall and so I didn't react to a false alarm but I'm still trying to get the alarm off because it is just pulling. It is sucking my brain out at this moment. Mm -hmm. I have no ability to make a decision or to think at all with this thing going on. Mm -hmm. So I start trying to figure out how to get this alarm off Is kind of my first reaction. And one of the things I did is I reach over and pull a couple of circuit breakers. I have a couple of pieces of equipment that help things talk to each other. I thought, well, if I could just turn like reset that or maybe turn that off where this thing is not talking to that thing, maybe the alarm will shut up. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. Uh, I tried it a second time, and it, and I thought it happened, but I've later learned that I didn't do anything. That alarm just timed out. Oh. Like it beeped for, I don't know, three, four minutes, and it just timed out eventually. Uh, but in that moment, I quit. I wasn't on autopilot, which again, I should have been. And if my competency had been up, like in terms of my mental abilities in the moment, it would have been simple, hit the autopilot. My my autopilot even has a button that's called level. It's like, if you get in trouble, hit this button. Well, it's a new button to me. I had never practiced it. Totally got lost that it was even there. Like didn't even think about
1: it. Yeah, because you would never done it and you would never practiced it. Yeah. So it wasn't second nature.
2: No. So I'm taking my eyes off the instruments <laughs> to f- figure out how to turn this alarm off. Well, when I look back up, I realize I'm in about a 45 to 50 degree bank, a pretty steep bank. That's the beginning of a spiral, mm-hmm. which is again also deadly. Yeah. So I realize it, and and w- what kept going through my pl- my mind was remember your training, <laughs> aviate, which means fly the plane. Above all else fly the plane, forget everything else, fly the plane. So I, I then got it straightened back up, fortunately, before it spiraled out, another close call. Um, and, and, and in the midst of that moment, watching the video, another thing happened that just like, really? I, didn't, I don't even think I realized it in the moment. The clouds opened up, there was a hole that I missed
1: an opportunity to drop down.
0: I saw that clear up for a second. I, yeah. I was
1: yelling at the YouTube video, yeah. going, look yeah. down, yeah. you can oh, see. you can see
0: the grass. You can see. Yeah. I thought
1: to myself, before you narrated it, I thought, why didn't you just drop down? And yeah. you would have been in the clear, and you could fly with your yeah. eyes again.
2: You know, and I think, in a, I, I said in the video that it, had I dropped down, I didn't know how long that would last. Oh. I honestly am not sure I remember seeing it. Ah, because yeah. I was so focused on well, you're my also instruments. At your
0: instruments. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah,
2: and that's the deal. You look outside, you're gonna see nothing. I'm here. I'm looking here, <laughs> not here. And so I'm not even sure I fully realized the whole. But if you look at that video, one thing that's real clear is I was probably only about fifty or hundred feet in the clouds. I had plenty of space to drop down and it would have been clear. Mm. Like the clouds had dipped down but I had flown to a point where they climbed back up to the reported ceilings that I had originally got from my weather reports. Mm -hmm. I was that close to safety.
1: You were drowning in two feet of water.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Side note. Interesting. You say that because my wife struggled to understand my, my anxiousness and the degradation of competency in that moment. She's already flown in the clouds hundreds of times. Why was this different? Like, it was a real struggle to get her head around. And I'm telling a friend of mine this story, and he's like, oh, I totally get it. And I said, really, why? He goes, you remember two years ago when I almost drowned? I go, yeah. He's a good swimmer, but he got caught out in a lake, rough waters, tossed out of a boat, almost drowned. He said, after I got out of it, into the boat, I realized 10 feet away was a tree stump sticking up. It was so close to me, and I never saw never it. Saw
0: yeah, interesting. In the panic
2: of the moment, I couldn't even see what was so close. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so that's where I was at. Uh, and
0: it turned out the alarm was going off because something froze. Or what was it? Yeah.
2: Thing? So your airspeed mm-hmm. um, is generated through what's called a pitot tube. Mm-hmm. A pitot. Every plane has a little thin, looks like a spear somewhere on it. And on my plane, it's underneath the left wing, and this little point has a hole about an eighth of an inch or a sixteenth of an inch wide. It's a little bitty hole. Well, the, the air goes in that hole and that's what gives you your airspeed indication. It's called a pitot tube. Well, on my plane, I have a thing called pitot heat. So if I do ever get invisible moisture in freezing weather, <laughs> you turn that on so your pitot tube won't freeze up.
0: But you live in Texas, so you've never had to it on.
2: 15 years have never turned it on. on. And again, back to proper planning. If I ever plan to get in the clouds, you don't do it in freezing weather because now you got a whole nother phenomenon that can happen called ice on the wings, Mm. which will bring a plane down and kill you too. So I've never turned my pitot heat on in 15 years. Never had a need to.
1: And knowing that, what you just said about the the ice on the wing, you probably would have turned around and gone back if you'd known you were gonna be flying through clouds.
2: Yeah. It yeah. And, and even, and honestly even realized that they were below freezing, the temperatures on the ground were like 55 degrees and I'm not that high above ground. I, oh. I wasn't paying close enough attention to my, the outside air temperature is a little bitty symbol at the bottom of my avionics mm-hmm. that honestly, I just didn't pay I just, attention to.
1: I just, you're, you're highlighting all of the things you did wrong. And that's part of the exercise here in, in telling this story. Um, it it dawns on me how vulnerable that makes you and I appreciate it because we're not here to dog on you for being the worst pilot ever to live through a flight. Thank you. You could take that assumption. (laughs) (laughs) Because you you are obviously really good at what you do and and it shows that even someone as competent as you can get caught, get caught uh, unaware or get caught with with their hand in the cookie jar a little bit. And, and it's interesting to see you unpack it. I just find it fascinating. Yeah. So you, you at some point get a hold of a person on the ground who's a professional at uh, air traffic control. Yeah. So how'd that go?
2: And so when I first got into clouds, I got in touch with air traffic control. And so the whole time, if you watch the video, I've had several people make this comment to me that the thing that struck them the most aside from the fact that they're about to watch your friend die yeah (laughs) is that the the calmness of that voice
0: oh yeah he was super just this is my job yeah in fact when you thanked him after you got through the crisis and you're about to land Mm -hmm. you were like thank you so much it's my job man
2: it's my job. job. He just like
0: just said it so day casually. At the yeah, that's yeah, what I do. Right. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, I actually started kind of freaking out in the video, knowing I was going to watch my friend die. Even though I knew you survived, <laughs> but I still was like, when he said, when he started asking you about where um, they were going to have to, was that like how search many souls? How
2: many souls on board? Souls on board. Amount of fuel. And search and rescue contact information.
0: And what does your plane look like? And just, yeah, yeah, yeah. when he asked you how many souls were on board, I was like. And he and said, he even emergency said contact like,
1: information, just in case we need it. And, and it was, he didn't apologize. He, no, he was it's standard protocol. Yeah, the, yeah, he was a professional and he wasn't. And wasn't, he
0: didn't even uh, add the words stress to his uh, conversation with you. Oh. He never said, hey, I know you're stressed right now, but I need you to do this. Instead, he said. I know you're busy. Get it for me as soon as yeah. you can. And yeah. he used the word busy, you know. Yeah. It's like, he did. interesting. Yeah. He did. Yeah, he really narrate. He he narrated the conversation, and he and he steered it in the way he needed it to go to try to keep you calm, get you the information you needed, plug it into the plane so you can get landed safely. Yeah. And then I remember when you landed, you let out an actual
1: <laughs> sigh, Dude. like
0: you were yeah. like, <sighs> best looking
1: airport, best looking runway I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. With
2: a horribly gusty crosswind.
1: Yeah, apparently it was like a 70 yeah. mile an hour at times. Well, 70 degree. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, Yeah, 70 yeah. degree crosswind.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the lessons that you learned in this. Because that's what we talked about when we were having coffee the other day. Um, one, you, the first thing you said was you lost your competency. I yeah. Think, with, like stress.
2: Yeah. With that, so, because you had
0: some pilot 101 stuff happening.
2: Yeah. So, so, so much stuff correlates to life to me in this experience. Like it really, there's so many life lessons, forget piloting lessons mm-hmm. uh, in here. And one of the reasons I wanted to post the video and expose myself <laughs> at the fear of, you know, uh, a lot of criticism, which by the way, I've got nothing but encouragement was to try to keep somebody else from dying. Yeah. you know because if i can keep somebody up from making the same stupid decisions by being in the plane with me maybe it'll save a life mm-hmm. so that was the intent
0: yeah and but, your videos up until this point had less than 100 views usually oh and yeah this one has when we checked before the show started had over ten thousand.
2: yeah yeah uh i guess you know, like my friend says it'll if lead. it bleeds it leads <laughs> yeah <laughs> so some life lessons uh Man, there's so many, but you know, the big one for me is in the, in the midst of stress, you can't think right.
0: Yeah, that is true.
2: Like stress will, will bore into your brain and suck out intelligence and competency in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're in stress, figure out a way to get out of it because you will not and cannot think clearly. Yeah. in the midst of stress.
0: Well, I think, and even one of the things I learned was, I touched my mic, sorry. <laughs> one of the things I learned is that you have to ask somebody for help. You know, when my first company went under, that was a horrible situation for me to be in. And I was panicking, trying to do everything I can to keep it afloat. And I needed somebody to come alongside me who was could give me that advice.
2: Yeah, totally. And and that was another lesson, That that, that calm, unattached person has value you know i think oftentimes even in my life i've relied upon other people that are in the boat with me Mm -hmm. to give me advice because they're sharing the experience
1: that's intuitive to think that people you don't want to have to tell the whole story i've had situations maybe not business related maybe so but relationship related yeah you know if you want to talk to somebody about a relationship you feel like you got to tell them the whole story, mm-hmm. and that that's a burden on the sufferer, the the person who needs counseling or needs advice. You know what? I'll just I'll deal with it because I can't imagine how horrible it's going to be to try to tell you 12 years worth of information, or 15 <laughs> years worth, because you don't have context. So, right. and that's when you realize how brilliant counselors are and and pastors, people who give advice Any air traffic
0: control professionals. I mean, yeah. literally that was his job was to, he didn't need He, did, he didn't need you to tell him
1: the backstory. Why
0: didn't you turn yourself around when you thought you should have? <laughs> <Right>. you <know? laughs> can I imagine? Yeah.
1: Right. He
0: was like, my job is to get you landed. But he also yeah. wasn't
1: in the seat next to you because, because obviously you wouldn't have needed him if that person, if there yeah. were a person there and they could help. Yeah. But I love the fact that you can ask someone for help that is completely detached and sometimes it's better.
2: Much better. Yeah. They're just not saddled with the emotion. Mm-hmm. The other thing I learned is preparation is key. So, um, you know, part of my, I'll, I'll call it a lack of preparation. I had a lack of information. I actually don't feel like I was ill-prepared. I'm not sure with the information I was given if I would have made a different decision today to to go that route. But life happened.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: An unexpected event happened in the midst of that journey. And it was the, my other preparation that got me out of it alive. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are surprised I lived through that deal. And, and honestly, as bad as some things were and how ill prepared I was in some aspects, because I didn't practice emergencies with my level button on the autopilot, for instance, uh, there are other things that my, my preparation did kick in. And it, and it was able to save me. Mm-hmm. The other thing I learned was uh, one bad decision in the midst of stress is just the start. And the other bad decisions will pile on very, very quickly.
0: Yep. I can testify to that. I have yeah. done that. <laughs> yeah. I always say it's a slippery slope. That's, yeah. That's how I feel. Like you do one thing and then it leads into the other. You're just trying to you know, you're just panicking. You're panicking, like you said, drowning in two feet of water. You're just panicking. And you don't even realize that you're making one bad decision after another.
2: Right. Yeah, so those were my takeaways.
0: Yeah. So when I watched the video, here was my takeaway. Um, One, I thought, like I said before, I thought it was really important that somebody was giving you advice. Yeah. You know, that was calm. I also felt that whenever you can look back on things, that's where the lessons are. So even, you know you, you having over 10,000 views on that video so far, which will probably be more by the end of the next week. <laughs> um, like you said, that lesson and the reason we do this is because we want those lessons to be shared to help other people through blind spots. And that's what you're trying to do too. You're yeah. trying to help another pilot live. Yeah. We're trying to help other people have a better life. So we try to take these stories and these nuggets and say, hey, here's something that might help you not make that mistake. Or when that situation happens, maybe you can pull from this story. You didn't actually right. have to go through it yourself. So here's some advice. You know, So we bring these people on the show so we can spread that kind of good gossip, <clears throat> yeah. know, spread the story, help people out. So it's like you said, it's very vulnerable of you to show your mistakes. And that's one of the things that I've done with my... Uh, mistakes in the past with my companies and my failures there, you know, people will call me and ask me for advice and I'll say, I'll tell you what not to do. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you how to do it necessarily correctly, but I can tell you, here's the mistakes I made. If that helps you make decisions with your business.
2: No doubt.
1: Well, I I appreciate your vulnerability and I do think that this episode will help someone, um, whether it's a pilot or a business (laughs) owner or a husband or a friend uh, navigate through life and try to use this thing the things you talked about to help them at least maybe start in the right direction towards a solution. Um, one of the things we like to do in our show mm-hmm. is give you an opportunity to brag about somebody else to good gossip about someone else yeah. and and we sometimes pull guest ideas from it uh, if there' if there's somebody we could talk to but we we just want to give you a chance to have the good feeling it is to brag about somebody you care about that has affected your life.
2: Yeah. So um, the person that comes to my mind instantly is my ex-business partner. His name is Bob Fuller. And, and Bob, is a he's a man's man. He's a ex-Navy SEAL. Uh, so he can snap your neck if you want <laughs> to. And when we were first talking about uh, forming our Alzheimer's care business, and that was a discussion point, and then we kind of get into the you know, the partnership agreement uh, portion of the conversation, I had just come off of a colossal, massive failure, uh, business failure. I mean, millions of dollars was lost, mm. lots of money. Mm. Um, and so I, I felt very weak and vulnerable in that moment, that season of life. And I remember thinking, uh, the part of why I think it happened was I was a minority partner in which I didn't have, real decision-making ability. Hmm. I mean, I had enough skin in the game for it to hurt, but I wasn't the majority partner. So my voice didn't get hurt. Hmm. And so I was real sensitive to that. And so I'm like, uh, hey, if I'm gonna do anything again, I gotta be 51%. And he's like, dude, no, it's 50-50. That's how I do stuff. I don't do stuff, it's not 50-50. And I'm like, dude, I'm not. I can't do anything that I'm not 51. Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm wanting control here, right? And I remember he just looked at me and he goes, dude, it's going to be 50-50, period. And he goes, but if you want control, I'll give you control. <laughs> I'll give you the voting rights. Like, if there needs to be a tiebreaker, you break it. I'll give it to you. I trust you. You may not make the same decision I'll make, but I, you'll do it with the right spirit and right heart. So <laughs> you get it. Mm. Wow! And my uh, desire to have to have to control just totally evaporated when he gave it over to me.
0: Mm.
2: And suddenly I was like, "Oh no, no! I couldn't do that!
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, 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 no! You're a
2: horrible negotiator!" No, I'm just kidding. So we actually ended up. <laughs> it was like every other year, determined you. I had odd years, he had even years. Who? had the tie-breaking vote if we ever got to an impasse. Yeah.
1: The obvious question is, was how many impasses were there? Were that none. really, you needed none?
2: None, never had one. And here's where I'm gonna give credit to Bob. Uh, I, I've heard this life lesson before. I had never experienced it being played out. Um, and it's the, it's the saying of you can be right or you can be in relationship, mm. but you can't be both all the time. Mm. And he, he kind of taught me that lesson. It was like, no, the relationship's more important. You need, you need to be right, you be right, go ahead. Ouch, that is
1: good. what a great lesson. That One of the guys at lesson. church jokes around, you yeah. want to be right or you want to be married? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> good a good lesson. principle for husbands. Right, 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 right. Or wives. Yeah. Wow.
0: Well,
1: this is a deep episode. This is a deep. It's always like that with Randy. I know, I know. I wanted it to be that
0: way, so it was fine.
1: But you know, Melissa and I have been doing the coffee thing for a long time. We found, first time in my life where someone scheduled a friendship with me because we she was getting really busy with her marketing business, and um, at the time, I think I was just doing real estate full time, and um, I had more flexibility but she had a lot of friends like that that would just pop in on her and she said i've got to structure my life if i'm going to be successful with this mm-hmm. business so we're going to be friends from 11 to 12 or mm-hmm. from 12 to 1 on Wednesdays you know that's just the way it's got to be
0: but i'm going to be present when i'm there so right. and not then, looking mm-hmm. at my phone not you know that's taking right. phone calls i'm dedicated here time with
1: you. yeah and so that's what we did and we would we would just really didn't need a topic we could just start talking same thing with you guys get real deep real fast with family god books business concepts
0: advice a lot
1: of advice to each other too and then we started getting more organized where we would do like a book club or a we we started a podcast club and that was my idea
0: Right. Yeah. And he said, let's do a podcast club. I'm going to send you a podcast and then we'll talk about it at coffee. <laughs> and so it was like it was book club time. over podcast. And yeah. yeah. we turned,
1: turn each other on to different people yeah. that we'd never heard of. Yeah. Um, wow. This was great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show yeah. and being vulnerable with that. Um, yeah. again, I will post uh, your videos in the comments on YouTube and, um, so you can go find that there and on our Facebook group and on, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram
1: the easiest to share is the YouTube uh, link so you can share it to your friends share it to your pilot friends share it to to all those guys (laughs) that um, yeah and tell them be nice.
0: So we have a lot of friends right now who are wanting to fly or get their pilot's license. So we thought it was appropriate that you happened to come on the show when you did. So Uh I I, I probably had four conversations this week (laughs) of people who were (laughs) wanting to fly. So there's a video you should watch before you do that.
1: (laughs) All right. Thank you for watching episode four. Randy Van Story. Thank you very much. That was amazing. That was an amazing Van Story. No, nope, that was not funny. It was dumb. <laughs> I had to do that. That's All me. right.
0: Well, until next time, make sure you like, subscribe, share this with a friend, and let us know if there's somebody you want to have on the show. See you later.